Before this episode begins, I just wanted to quickly mention I totally meant to upload this episode significantly sooner than I did. I swear I hit the publish episode button, but for some reason it did not get uploaded. And I hit that button almost a week ago. So, or at least I thought I did. So this episode's been in the works for quite a while and not to break the fourth wall too much but I already have the next five episodes recorded as well so I apologize for the delay but you're going to get two episodes nearly back to back here so it should be enjoyable for you either way this episode's going up on Friday the next episode will be up on Monday as well with the next five episodes and then next week I'm going to be working on the last five before we wrap up season four but yeah Uh, Back to past Hyrulean, which is present Hyrulean for you. Hey folks, Hyrulean here, and welcome back to Hyrulean Reviews Adventure Time. That's right, I'm back with another block of block reviews for you. We're going to talk about five new episodes today, never before seen by me. And I'm going to kind of tell you the brief plot synopsis of the episode along with what I think of it. And I got to say this block of episodes that we're getting into now is very strange because you can feel a definite tonal shift in the show. For some reason, these five episodes, to me, seemed completely different than anything we've actually experienced in the show thus far. These episodes are intriguing because not only do we get some morals in some of these episodes, we also have like weirdly emotional episodes that don't match the tone of the rest of the show. Crazy like events happen. There's some like really sexual stuff that happens. It's just all over the place. It's a true smorgasbord And we started off with the part two for the Return to the Nightosphere episode from the last block of reviews um, because it was basically a two-parter, but each part was shipped out with a different episode rather than being shipped as one big episode. So pretty interesting stuff overall, and I cannot wait to get into a little more discussion about Adventure Time, I tell you, I need to do an update at some point and talk about how this series is going because at my current trajectory, it doesn't really seem like I'm going to finish the show before the end of the year. So I need to let everybody know what's going on. So stay tuned for that. Might already be out by the time this podcast episode releases, but either way, let's get into some more analysis of Adventure Time. Season 4, Episode 11, Daddy's Little Monster, is the conclusion to our two-parter that was started with uh, Season 4, Episode 9, Return to the Nightosphere. Basically, if you recall from that episode, Finn and Jake woke up in the Nightosphere, not really sure how they got there, and they managed to narrowly escape, but they realized that... Marceline was trapped there as well and they did not manage to save her before they escaped. So they create a plan to go back after kind of resting up and learning some more information about what happened. And thankfully, Finn has his new video phone which allowed him to record videos of what was going on 
and he needed to get it charged up, but he managed to get it charged up. So this episode, episode 11, starts out with them reviewing the footage from Jake's camera phone of the events that happened before episode 9. And those events basically included Marceline showing up out of a portal and asking Finn and Jake if they wanted to come over and hang out because she was visiting her dad in the nightosphere and she was really, really bored. And Finn and Jake oblige, and when they arrive, basically they discover that Hudson Abadir, Marceline's father, is planning to put this medallion on her that's going to make her basically be forced into becoming the ruler of the nightosphere. And she's going to absorb a bunch of evil power and not be able to control it and be basically forced to kind of rule over the nightosphere. And basically, before they can stop him, Hunson takes off the amulet and puts it on to Marceline, turning her into this massive demon uh, that we previously thought was just a form that Hunson could turn into. Uh, but it turns out that it's actually the Nidosphere ruler form uh, that you're sort of forced to assume when you're wearing the amulets. And immediately Marceline kind of goes crazy and Finn and Jake are attempting to stop the amulet from like, you know, being on her for too long. They try to take it off of her, uh, but Hunson has a demon throw them into jail. And this demon is the one from the first episode who opened the cage and let everybody go after his shift was up and nobody showed up to take over for him. Uh, and this demon, basically, it's revealed, is the reason why there were all the bananas in the jail cell in the first episode, because he farts bananas out of his ear holes, which is fucking weird, but it's pretty funny. Um, and basically, that's sort of where the videos start to end. And up until this point, all of these flashbacks that I was talking about have been presented in the form of video recordings on Jake's uh, video phone, which is basically just a flip phone that has a shitty camera on it, uh, and it was actually pretty funny and endearing uh, to kind of have past events told this way, and I quite liked it. It was one of my favorite bits in the entire show, and it paired nicely with the whole bit where he was trying to find an outlet to charge it in the last episode. I really, really liked it, honestly. And if you recall from the previous episode, when they were escaping the Nightosphere, Finn cut open who he thought was Marceline's dad, Hunson Abadir's head, only to discover that Marceline was inside of it. And so there was some confusion there, but it turns out that it wasn't actually Hunson Abadir that they fought, but instead Marceline in her Nightosphere ruler demon form. And so basically, now that they were caught up to speed and they kind of remembered all the details they needed to remember, they made the portal to the Nightosphere the same way they did in the episode where Marceline's dad was introduced by throwing the milk on the wall and drawing the weird face and saying the magic spell. And they re-enter the Nightosphere in disguise as demons to go and save Marceline from herself and from her father. And when they arrive in the Nightosphere, they're basically conveniently immediately put 
in the throne room of Hunson Abadir, and there's a bunch of demons waiting to speak to who they think is him, but it's actually Marceline, and Marceline is basically acting just like Hunson Abadir does in his demon form, so for all intents and purposes, it is just Hunson Abadir, but controlling Marceline, honestly, but either way, it is technically Marceline. Um, and they try and cut to the front of the line, but they get uh, belittled by some demons, and a demon even steps out of line to yell at them for trying to cut, and ends up having to go to the back of the line because he stepped out of the line, which is pretty funny. Um, but when they do eventually reach the front, uh, immediately she tries to eat them, and they reveal that they're Finn and Jake, and they try to save her. Uh, and basically a fight ensues, and they manage to escape into a nearby room to kind of catch their breath and regroup. And it leads to a kitchen, which is presumably Hunson Abadir's house's kitchen. And they find him in there in his underwear because he's officially in retirement. Now that he's passed the Marceline, he's passed the medallion to Marceline, he's basically no longer the ruler of the Nightosphere, and he's getting into the fridge in his underwear to get a quick midnight snack, uh, and he's made a massive sandwich, and he's about to eat it, and Finn and Jake kind of step in, and they're like, hey man, what the fuck are you doing? Why did you give her that amulet? And he's like, I just wanted her to follow the family business, guys. Come on, I needed a little break. I want to retire. And so they knock his sandwich out of his hand and then head back out the door and start to fight her again and they do manage to get the amulet off of her finally and the way they manage to get the amulet off of her is actually really funny so basically they go back out of the kitchen and back into the main room where marceline and all of the demons are and they incite a political riot by doing a political rap, and this is probably the funniest musical moment in the entire show, because Jake beatboxes, and Finn literally does a rap about, like, how the government doesn't work, and, like, society needs to collapse and rebuild, and all of this different stuff about politics, which is, like, really, really funny and, like, not at all, like, in character for Adventure Time, I guess. And it works. It causes all of these demons to decide that no longer will they be ruled by the Abadirs. And so they all start to go after Marceline, a.k.a. demon ruler for Marceline. And Finn and Jake use this to their advantage and manage to snag away the amulet, freeing Marceline from its control. And... Uh, Jake tries to stretch Marceline through the portal, which is on the ceiling, back into the treehouse. And he can't reach it because there's demons, like, gnawing at his legs, basically. So, what ends up happening is, Finn slips on the medallion and gets all of the evil power of the ruler of the Nightosphere. And he assumes a demon form as well which is actually really, really cool. And there's like this neat uh, transformation sequence where all this like shadowy energy like coalesces right into his like chest. And he turns into a creature that looks very similar to Hunson Abadir, but obviously it's not. And it does look different than the way Hunson and Marceline look when they are in the demon leader form. Um, 
and it has like weird, creepy, like grown over eyes. It was honestly terrifying. Uh, but when Finn is in the demon ruler form, he picks up Marceline and Jake and gets all of the demons off of them, shoves them through the portal and proceeds to like knock all the demons back and scare them away more or less. And Jake kind of is trying to save Finn however he can without going back through the portal. But all of a sudden, basically, Finn just kind of goes flying through the portal as his normal self. And when he does, they look through the portal and they find on the ground below is Hunson Abadir. And he took the medallion off Finn and put it back on himself and helped Finn escape. And it turns out that he kind of had a change of heart. He decided that he likes Marceline's friends and he decided to let them go and reassume his position as the leader of the Nightosphere. So there we have it, folks. That's sort of the general idea of this episode. Now let's go ahead and refer to my notes and see if there's anything else about this episode that I wanted to mention. Uh, First off, Daddy's Little Monster iconic Harley Quinn like quote I just wanted to address that really quickly uh and let's see what else obviously this was not a filler episode pretty important stuff with Hunson Abadir and Marceline's backstory here uh and Hunson is kind of no longer a villain after this episode so I consider that really important I did not manage to spot the snail yes there were fart jokes I talked about the bananas being farted out of the guard's ears that was a whole thing uh the coolest part for sure was when finn had his demon transition and like started fighting people as a massive demon and it was like a moment where finn had to accept evil into his life and like use it to like be powerful and it was just kind of weird and unusual for his whole character about being against evil uh in that moment but it was kind of neat Uh, The funniest part was, like, Finn's commentary, or Jake's commentary over his camera phone footage was really funny. Um, And also the whole political rap thing, where they incited a riot using the political rap. Um, But really, that's all I kind of have to say about this one. As far as lore episodes go, this one's pretty straightforward and doesn't really contribute a lot to the plot. But I think the main takeaway is they're making it so the people of the Nightosphere and Marceline's dad, uh, Hunson, are no longer villains in the show, and they're kind of just neutral now. And I was actually fairly okay with them taking uh, one episode pause in between the first and second part of this, uh, because it made it feel more substantial than it probably would have without it. Uh, Compared to some of our other two-parters, I think this one definitely could have been done in a single part if they would have cut some of the uh, gags that went on a little bit too long, like the line gag from the first episode and all that kind of stuff. It was a good episode, don't get me wrong. It was just kind of a little unnecessary for being a two-parter. But either way, it was really interesting and it was really fun. And I do enjoy two-part episodes, um, especially when they're lore ones. So there we have it, folks. Season 4, episode 12, Gotcha, is another Lumpy Space Princess episode. 
Now, if you recall the last time we had a Lumpy Space Princess episode, I went as far as to say it was the best Lumpy Space Princess episode we've gotten yet, and I stated that I thought it was a huge step in the right direction for a character that I wasn't a huge fan of before in the earlier seasons, and I'm proud to report that this episode matches or arguably succeeds in passing the quality of the previous Lumpy Space Princess episode. Let's get into it. So, Gotcha basically centers around LSP, with Finn and Jake as, like, B-plot characters and Turtle Princess as B-plot characters. And basically, she's living in the woods still, and Turtle Princess comes to visit her and sees her getting harassed by a bunch of wild animals, and... She basically, in her head, plays it off that these wild animals are actually in love with her and they are attracted to her lumps. And that's why they won't leave her alone, is because they're so attracted to her. And she talks it up to Turtle Princess and says how awesome she is and how she's got all these guys fawning over her, even though they're just wild animals. And Turtle Princess basically explains that, like nobody wants her turtle lumps and she wishes LSP could teach her a thing or two and then she suggests that LSP should write a book about how to get boys using her lumps and LSP of course thinks that's a wonderful idea so she sets off with the idea of writing a book for ladies to kind of teach them how to swoon over some men And, of course, our heroes Finn and Jake and their lovely little pal Bimo are in the woods as well nearby, playing some sort of game with balls that's similar to marbles, but with balls instead of marbles. Um, Not super important, but I just kind of wanted to bring it up as for why they were in the the woods. And Turtle Princess suggests suggests that she uses Finn as the man to swoon over and write about in her book. And of course, LSP loves the idea, and she takes a plastic bag and makes a brand new dress out of it, and takes a, like, cherry pie, like one of those ones in the cardboard boxes you can buy at gas stations, and rubs the cherry sauce all over her face and uses it as lipstick, and then sets out to follow Finn and Jake back to the treehouse to swoon Finn. And when they get back to the treehouse, LSP is closely behind and she knocks on the door and she's got a little tape recorder and occasionally she goes aside where nobody can hear her and she like talks into it and kind of says what's happening uh, so she can later refer to it and write it down for her book. Uh, But basically she knocks on the door and says that she's there to... Uh, she's there to apply for their adventurer's secretary position. And her whole sort of angle for trying to swoon over Finn is basically she's going to try and get herself hired as their secretary and then be like the slutty secretary that seduces all the boys around the office. That's her plan. And so Finn and Jake are kind of like, uh... We didn't make an ad for a secretary, and she holds up, like, a piece of cardboard that says, like, Wanted Adventurer Secretary, and it's very clearly 
uh, like written in those pie juices that I was talking about before that she rubbed all over her lips. And Finn immediately catches on that they know that they didn't make an ad, but they think that LSP is bored or lonely, and Finn says that he should just go along with it and uh, let her kind of hang out with them because clearly she's bored or lonely, which is kind of crazy. This is one of those situations where they paint Finn as significantly more insightful and smart than they usually paint him. Uh, because he picks up on the fact that something's up with LSP and he decides to be kind and invite her in and like allow her to, you know, play her little game or whatever because he feels bad for her and he wants her to not feel alone, which is really, really heartwarming and honestly a super sweet of Finn. Um, but basically, she comes in and gets settled down and immediately demands a desk, so uh, they get her a desk and she kind of sets up like a portable typewriter and her purse and all this other stuff. And they're hanging out there for a while and LSP basically tries to like dance and like move her body in a way to try and swoon Finn, but it doesn't really work. It just goes right over his head. And then, uh, they actually end up leaving to go to like this mystery mountain or something and uh, more or less, they all three, Finn, Jake, and Lumpy Space Princess, trek to this mystery mountain with a bunch of rocks that they gathered. And once they arrive, they have to solve like a couple of different puzzles. And the first one is like this water with skeletons in the bottom of it. And they have to throw rocks into the water and they'll float where it's safe for them to cross the water and so basically like LSP tries to swoon Finn some more and it doesn't really work still and Finn and Jake are like you know plopping the rocks in the water and having fun because of the noise of the rocks plopping in the water and they do manage to get across and enter into a cave and when they enter into the cave immediately there's a massive wall blocking their way that's made out of like glass and LSP tries to swoon Finn again and she takes off her dress and she's like oh Finn my dress is off oh and her dress like goes flying and it goes through the wall like it gets sucked in and so she like chases after it still like pretending that she's naked even though she usually doesn't wear clothes and she gets sucked into the wall as well and Finn and Jake try and follow after her, but as soon as she enters, the wall closes tightly shut behind her. And what happens next is basically LSP finds herself in a room where all of the walls are mirrors. And all of a sudden, in the mirrors, there is Finn. And it's not our actual Finn. It's definitely like a mirror ghost demon thing. Uh, disguising itself as Finn, but basically it looks at Lumpy Space Princess and all the different like angles of the mirror and smiles and takes off its shirt. So it's shirtless Finn and then takes off his hat and reveals his long, luscious blonde hair. And as soon as like mirror Finn starts to get like kind of sexy, basically Finn and Jake manage to smash through the wall and get into the mirror room and then all of the little demons in the mirrors come out and they have to fight them and uh, 
basically, they save LSP from the weird mirror demons. And Finn asks LSP what she was thinking going straight into the wall and getting stuck in here. And she basically explains that she wanted to look in the mirrors so she could remind herself that she was beautiful. And there's a wonderful heartfelt moment between Finn and LSP where Finn looks at her and the camera kind of like zooms in on Finn's face and he's like, oh, LSP, you don't need a mirror to know you're beautiful. You're beautiful on the inside. And LSP like all of a sudden gets super emotional and she's like, oh my God. And she thinks to herself like, oh, he's so hot. And in that moment, LSP has a realization and they have to return to the treehouse immediately so she can start writing her book. And basically, LSP realizes that she is very, very, very attracted to Finn. And she thinks Finn is like the hottest guy alive. And what she realized that made her think that is basically she realized that what makes a person hot is not just their looks. There's more to it than that. A person can be hot without looking as attractive as someone else. They can be hotter than them, in fact. And so basically, her whole moral and lesson that she learns in this episode is, like, she needs to stop thinking about so much what's on the outside and start thinking about what's on the inside when it comes to finding guys and when it comes to finding herself. So... Uh, really interesting like moral related plot here and the end of the episode is basically LSP like just kind of freaking out over how hot Finn is and she finishes writing her book and she turns it into Turtle Princess who edits it and then uh, quote-unquote publishes it uh, basically she just kind of binds it and then sticks it on a shelf in the library and that's all it takes to be a published author in the land of Ooh. Um, and it's very, very interesting because this is like, in a way, a Lumpy Space Princess Finn shipping episode. And this sort of kind of sets in motion a potential romantic relationship between those two. And God knows there's probably tons and tons of fucking Rule 34 of it, and I'm terrified, and I'm not looking it up. I'm not looking it up for this episode. No way, no how. Oh God, I just fucking looked it up. Oh my God, why did I look it up? <laughs> oh my God, it was so horrible. Okay, so basically, uh, there's Rule 34 art for this exact episode, and... Lumpy Space Princess is drawn as, like, a thin, thick, completely purple woman. And Finn is drawn as, like, this adult male anime character. And they're fucking. And in the freaking Rule 34 art, LSP has a tattoo of a cock, like, jizzing. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? I thought it was her penis at first. I thought she had a penis for some reason. But no, it's it was a tattoo on her leg. I was like, I don't know why I looked it up. I just said it as a joke, and then I was like, wouldn't it be funnier if I actually looked it up and then reported back? But no, there was literally Rule 34 for this exact episode, and 
it's LSP and Finn having sex, and Turtle Princess is on, like, Skype or fucking FaceTime or whatever watching, and she's blushing. And, oh my god. <laughs> well, I've got to get over to my fucking notes so we can finish this episode off now. I'm freaking, I'm ruined. I bet you, though, at least we now know that there's probably not more episodes where they ship LSP and Finn. Uh, because otherwise I feel like I would have seen other art. There really wasn't a ton. It was more kind of just Lumpy Space Princess or just Finn when I searched both of their names, and then there was like three pieces of art that actually had both of their names, or that had both of them, so. This must be like the main episode. Because also, I forgot to mention, in the Rule 34 picture, she had a speech bubble that said, Gotcha! Like she says in this episode, so. And that's also the title of the episode now that I think about it. So, clearly this must be the only episode where they kind of hint at a potential romantic relationship between the two of them, if you will. Alright, let's go over the last little bit of stuff I've got in my notes here, folks. Uh, okay. So, was this a filler episode? Yep. Uh, did I spot the snail? Yes, I did. There was a part in the episode where Finn was sort of just sitting on a bench outside of the treehouse reflecting, uh, and LSP and him had just had their moment, and she was looking out the window thinking about him, and the snail was hanging out on the bench. Uh, were there fart jokes? No. Uh, cutest part of this episode is basically just kind of LSP and Finn. I hate it because it's weird, but, you know, they were kind of cute. Uh, there was a funny part at the very beginning where Turtle Princess called Finn a white knight, which was pretty funny. Uh, oh, and LSP said she was going to use her cobras to try and swoon Finn into a better dinner. And I don't want to know what cobras means. Uh, and there's also a part near the end of the episode where LSP tells Finn that he's... Uh, basically, she thought she was the one who was going to swoon him because she's hot. But it turns out he's the one who's hot and he swooned her. And he's like, uh, wow, thanks. And then she just leaves, which was pretty funny. Um, there was, in the title card, LSP wearing the dress. And they purposefully made her in the title card have massive fucking cleavage. And I was just like, what the hell? Um, and Turtle Princess also talked about having lumps, but she's not a lumpy space person, so clearly lumps aren't just, like, what lumpy space people have. They're referring to something else, too. Uh, and the other thing of note, which is a callback, is Lumpy Space Princess makes a dress using a plastic bag, and that plastic bag is a Squeezy Mart bag, which you... Uh, should remember from the Ghost Princess episode, uh, it's a convenience store chain in the universe of Adventure Time. So, pretty neat little throwback. And we first saw it in the Ghost Princess episode not too long ago. So, pretty interesting stuff. But overall, really, really solid filler episode. Really, really solid Lumpy Space Princess episode. I was feeling like a 7 out of 10 on this one for sure. Now, the Rule 34 art was probably more like a 4. Could have been better. I was expecting more of it. A little bit of a letdown that there wasn't more Rule 34 Lumpy Space Princess Finn art.
Season 4, Episode 13 of Adventure Time, Card Wars, is a very important episode of the show. And the reason for that is it introduces the in-universe card game Card Wars. And Card Wars, to explain it kind of simply, is basically a mishmash of like Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Pokemon, take your pick. They kind of take elements from all the popular trading card games and mush it into one. And it's very, very interesting and cool when you're watching it on the show, but apparently people loved the episodes including Card Wars so much that they actually ended up doing some merchandising out of it, releasing multiple official Card Wars decks so you could actually play Card Wars in real life. And even two actual mobile apps that let you play Card Wars as well. There was Card Wars and then the sequel to Card Wars, Card Wars Kingdom. And both allowed you to play and collect cards in the game and I think you could even battle online against other people. And this episode is the episode that actually introduces Card Wars, so it goes without saying that a lot of Adventure Time fans hold this episode very near and dear to their hearts. Let's get into the plot. So this episode opens up with Finn and Jake hanging out in the treehouse, and Jake's got this strange metal tin. And Finn basically asks him what it is, and he kind of just kind of shrugs it off and is like, oh, it's nothing, don't worry about it. And after some more poking and prodding, Jake admits that he's really bummed out because Lady Rainicorn does not want to play Card Wars with him anymore. And he shows Finn what it is, and it's basically a metal tin full of a bunch of playing cards. And... Finn is immediately intrigued, considering they've lived together almost their entire lives, and he did not know that Jake was an avid Card Wars fan, and he didn't even know what Card Wars was, is really strange to him, so he keeps pressing for more information. And Jake basically explains that the reason he hasn't asked Finn to play up until now is because he didn't want Finn to make fun of him for being a nerd who likes to play card games. And Finn says basically, hey, I'm still going to make fun of you and call you a nerd for playing with cards, but I want to try the game out. Let's play. And Jake gets all excited and kind of perks up a little bit. So immediately they clear the dining room table, and it's really funny uh, because Jake basically takes his massive stretched out arm and quickly swoops up all of the like dirty dishes and other assorted shit on the table and just kind of drops it out the open window nearby and it crashes onto the ground below and in a blink of an eye they've got the card wars board set up and all of the cards kind of set up and ready to go as well and jake begins to explain the rules and there's a little title card that says two hours later. You know I'm a sucker for those gags. And when we cut back, Finn is fully asleep. And basically, Jake's like, Hey, what the hell, man? You fell asleep during my entire explanation. 
now I gotta start over. And Finn's like, no, 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 it's okay, man. Let's just play, I'll figure it out as I go. And just as they're about to start playing, Bimo comes skateboarding into the room, and he's like, oh no, Finn, you're playing Card Wars with Jake? And Finn's like, oh, Bimo, you know how to play Card Wars? And he's like, yeah, I know how to play Card Wars, but I will never play Card Wars with Jake again. And he looks to the side all shifty and kind of skateboards out of the room. And Finn's kind of like, what? Uh, But then they start their game. And basically the way Card Wars works in this episode is they each have half of the board and they start out the game by building their kingdom. Uh, by placing things down like their castles and their fields and different types of landscape tiles and things like that by using different cards. And the board's like this holographic board and it reacts to their cards basically like magically in a very similar vein to how Yu-Gi-Oh does, I guess you could say. And uh, more or less, they just kind of have a couple turns where they set up their boards And Jake's got this really fancy layout with a huge castle and a swamp area and a bunch of fields. And Finn just kind of has a really basic layout with a small house and some rocks and that kind of thing. And immediately it's clear that Jake is a super tryhard at Card Wars, which is probably why nobody wanted to play with him, right? Uh, Because his first attack turn, he summons all these different creatures and there's like... Uh, corn soldiers and all this different shit and immediately Finn's like oh fuck how do I beat this and he starts to kind of like look around in his hand and see what he can do and on his turn he actually just kind of summons a wizard but the wizard goes inside of the house and studies and then he summons a pig and Jake's super cocky about it and he's like neither of those are very strong You suck, Finn. You should have listened to me explain the rules. And basically, uh, the pig turned out to be the trump card in this situation because Finn had some extremely good beginner's luck. And the pig that he summoned actually went over and ate the corn, uh, which took away Jake's corn knight's source of power and killed them instantly. And this pin, this pig, sorry, turns out to be this very, very awesome unit. And Finn uses it to basically wipe the floor with every single plan that Jake has. Uh, because Jake did not plan for a lonely pig to be the thing that would, like, you know, upset his entire strategy for the game. And so basically, Finn is absolutely decimating Jake at Card Wars when. It's like the last turn of the game, and all of Jake's monsters are about to be defeated by Finn's pig the next turn, and Finn runs to the bathroom really quickly, uh, and on the way there, he seeks out Bimo and basically asks Bimo what he meant when he said he doesn't play Card Wars with Jake anymore, uh, because he really thought it was going to be a challenge to beat Jake, but he's having way too much luck. And Bimo basically explains that Jake actually sucks at Card Wars so bad that people who have never played the game before can mop the floor with him. Uh, And the last time him and Bimo played, Bimo beat Jake 
and Jake didn't talk to BMO for six months afterwards. And we can infer that the reason Lady Rainicorn didn't want to play Card Wars with Jake anymore is because she knew that if she beat him, he'd be mad at her and upset and, like, have a big shot to his ego. And rather than having to sit through and, like, kind of let herself lose, she just decided not to play anymore. And now Finn is in a a similar situation because he's about to beat Jake's ass in Card Wars. So he decides and takes it upon himself to lose, uh, but put a lot of effort into making it look good like he didn't do it on purpose. And I should mention at this point that basically Finn and Jake made a gentleman's bet before the game started that whoever lost was to be considered a dweeb and they'd have to drink this dweeb juice that Jake mixed up, which is basically like ham-flavored soda with, with a bunch of other disgusting ingredients mixed in. And whoever won got to drink the cool guy beverage, which was basically just like Sprite or 7-Up or Mountain Dew or something like that, like a normal soda. And so by forcing himself to lose, Finn was basically submitting and he was going to have to drink the nasty drink. And that's exactly what he does. He does a very convincing job of letting Jake win without him realizing. And he basically picks up the dweeb juice and takes a sip of it and decides that he actually really likes it. And Jake's worried like he didn't make it gross enough. But Jake takes a sip and he's like grossed out by it. And basically they just kind of have a little laugh after having a fun game and they take turns sipping the dweeb juice, and that's really it for this episode. There's not a whole lot to it, honestly. But I gotta say, only Adventure Time could make a whole episode about the main characters playing a card game and doing nothing else this entertaining. This episode was really fun, and the card game of Card Wars itself was actually really interesting. And after I saw this episode, it immediately made sense why so many people wanted a physical version and a digital version of the game to play because it genuinely looks really fun and really interesting. They were doing stuff like uh, tapping cards, which is from Magic the Gathering, and like uh, they were summoning, which is from, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! And it was such an interesting mixture of like all these different card game ideas and I really, really enjoyed it, and it was cool to see the board game, and there was lots of funny moments, and BMO did an excellent job as a supporting character in this episode, Um, but in addition to that, this one was just such a fun filler episode, and I honestly don't even consider it a filler episode, because we were introduced to Card Wars, and we know we're going to see Card Wars again down the line because if they made video games about it, it's definitely going to come up in more than one episode. And we also know that they play it in the first episode of Adventure Time's Distant Lands, because we watched that episode at the very beginning of this series, and BMO actually runs into some people playing Card Wars as well. So, very important thing in the Adventure Time universe was introduced in this episode, and I was all here for it. But let's run through the rest of my notes really quickly here. Uh, So I was feeling like a 7 out of 10 on this episode. Honestly, really, really great. Um, Interesting plot. 
was this a filler episode? I said no. You could make a case that it is, but I think since there's so much continuity with Card Wars, that we can go ahead and give this one a not a filler ranking because, you know, it's a little more important than your standard filler episode. Uh, I did not spot the snail, and no, there were no fart jokes. Uh, not really anything too cute in this episode other than the brotherly bond of Finn and Jake. Uh, the coolest part for sure, other than the card game itself, was definitely when BMO was just skateboarding because for some reason, I guess, BMO can just fucking skateboard. Uh, and it was honestly really cool. He, like, kickflips into the room when he enters on the skateboard and, like, when he leaves, he does, like, a pop shove it. And I was like, bruh. Bemo shredding, man. Holy cow. Um, and honestly, it was just really, it was a really cool thing that they added to Bemo um, when they basically made it a part of his character that he can skateboard. So I was a huge fan of it. I was here for it. You know, good shit. What else? Funniest parts of the episode. Uh, when Jake cleared the table and threw the items out the window, uh, the fact that it took two hours to explain the rules of Card Wars. And then uh, Finn was just immediately good at it without hearing any of the rules. Um, And there was also this part where Finn was trying to find BMO when he went to the bathroom, quote-unquote. And BMO was in a dark room, and when Finn entered, he jumped down from the ceiling and went, BMO, chop! If this was a real sneak attack, you'd be dead. It was really funny. I love BMO. BMO's a great character. Um, and other than that, I don't think I really have anything else to say about this one. Just a really solid, interesting little episode we got here. And I'm interested to see how they sort of bring Card Wars back down the line. I hope we see other characters in the show playing Card Wars as well. It'd be interesting to have, like, an episode where we kind of see how, like, Marceline would play Card Wars and how Princess Bubblegum would play Card Wars because, you know, all these different characters have all these different built-up personalities and I feel like their play style for Card Wars would be completely different as well. So I hope they do something like that down the line where we get to see other people playing the game too. Season 4, episode 14, Princess Cookie, is the first of a duo of very strange episodes. And also, before we get into the plot synopsis for this one, I wanted to mention, it's at this point that I started realizing that Adventure Time had kind of taken a tonal shift. The episodes sort of stopped being afraid of doing like really tonally different episodes and the next handful of episodes felt very different from one another in the sense that there was a lot more emotions all over the place rather than just like oh this is you know just Finn and Jake and Finn's always happy and Jake's always you know kind of like cynical and you know they kind of took the emotions of the episode and flipped it on its head and each episode kind of has its own feel for the next handful and I thought it was really interesting and I just wanted to point that out before we talk about this one because this episode starts out with a hostage situation (laughs) so basically right at the beginning of the episode bam we're dropped in 
There's a convenience store in the Candy Kingdom where a captor is in there with a bunch of hostages, holding them hostage, and Finn and Jake and Princess Bubblegum are in a police line. And basically, Princess Bubblegum has a, um, what do they call them? Fuck. Like a, like a loudspeaker. What do they call those things? They don't call them microphones. Uh, you know, those fucking things where you hold them up and they like amplify your voice, like a voice amplifier. I don't know. There's, there's a one word name for it, but it's, it's slipping my mind. But she has one of those and she's bargaining with the person who has the hostages and basically, it's not going anywhere, and it gets to the point where she's about to send in the candy SWAT team, and there's a possibility that they might start eliminating hostages, and that's when our heroes, Finn and Jake, decide to intervene and offer up their services to Princess Bubblegum and say that they can go ahead and sneak in and attempt to defuse the situation themselves. And so, Jake wants to dress up as a mailman, but Princess Bubblegum says he was he wouldn't make a very convincing mailman, so she has him dress up as a milkman, and Finn wears basically a black morph suit and pretends to be his shadow, and they enter the convenience store, and immediately we're introduced to the man of the hour, uh, which... I'm confused on if they have a real name or not, but I'm going to call them Cookie for the sake of the fact that uh, they get referred to as Princess Cookie later on. Spoiler. Um, but basically, we're introduced to the person who has the hostages, and it's a chocolate chip person named Cookie. And basically, there's just a bunch of random uh, Candy Kingdom citizens that are being held in here because Cookie is trying to get Princess Bubblegum to give him her crown. And Finn immediately sneaks away because uh, Cookie's chocolate chips actually pop off and they're also sentient and they're sort of guarding the other parts of the convenience store in case anybody tries to sneak in the back or anything. And so Finn's going to take them out and Jake decides to stay and distract Cookie. And immediately he starts to talk to Cookie, and Cookie basically explains that uh, he has always been an orphan. And back when he was a small chocolate chip boy in the orphanage, Princess Bubblegum visited one day and made all of the children very happy and sang with them and all this stuff. And basically she was holding Cookie and asked Cookie what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he said that he wanted to be a princess because he wanted to make everyone happy like her. And immediately Princess Bubblegum kind of blows it off and she's like, ha ha ha, that's really sweet Cookie, but I'm the princess and I'm the only princess that there can be. And this moment traumatizes Cookie. And basically he desperately wanted to be a princess and he looked up to Princess Bubblegum as his hero and she basically shot him down and as such he snapped one day decided to take some hostages in the convenience store and now he wants the crown that rightfully belongs to him because Princess Bubblegum said that he couldn't have it
And Jake instantly sort of relates to this guy because he was just told by Princess Bubblegum that he couldn't be a mailman because he didn't seem like the type to be a mailman. And he was forced to be a milkman instead. And so all of those years of Princess Bubblegum basically bossing around and taking advantage of Finn and Jake snap. And Jake decides that Cookie is doing nothing wrong and he wants to help Cookie out. So basically Jake decides that he's going to help Cookie escape and the first part of that plan is they need to get a horse and so Jake leaves the convenience store and explains to Princess Bubblegum that Cookie just wants a horse so he can escape and he's never going to come back and he's not going to hurt anybody he just wants a horse so he can leave. And Princess Bubblegum immediately is skeptical of this and she gets a trap horse, which we're explained is the same kind of horse that the Ice King was hiding in in one of the previous episodes, if you recall. And so more or less, there's probably some candy police officers hiding inside of this horse as well. And when they ride off on it, they're going to pop out and they're either going to kill Cookie or they're going to capture him and bring him to the dungeon. And so Jake says, like, to hell with that, Cookie. I'm Jake the Magical Dog, I can turn into a horse. And he turns into a horse, and they flee. And basically, they're riding off into the wilderness to try and find somewhere for Cookie to set up his own kingdom so he can finally be a princess, when out of the shadows pops Finn, who hops on the back of the horse, aka Jake, and Jake talks to him and he's like, hey man, I'm helping this guy out, he did nothing wrong. He just wants to be a princess, and Princess Bubblegum said no. And Finn's like, what the hell, man? We got to turn him in. What are you doing? This is wrong. We got to get him back. We got to get him in the dungeon. We got to, you know, we got to help Princess Bubblegum. And Jake's like, no, man, I'm helping him escape. He did nothing wrong. And he's like, are you with me or against me, Finn? And Finn's like, against you? And Jake pushes him off his back and gallops off leaving Finn in the dust, which was fucking crazy, and that was like a huge, you know, whoa moment. And basically, they gallop through the woods some more, uh, up until they come to a gorge. And at this gorge, Jake basically says he's gonna rear up and get ready to jump it, but Cookie dismounts and basically says to Jake, like, hey man, you've done a lot for me, but I really don't want to drag you into this it's my fault that you're in this situation and that your friends are chasing us. I'm going to turn myself in. And Jake's really upset about it and basically says, like, no, man, don't do it. You have nothing wrong, like, with you. You just want to be a princess. And in a super emotional moment, as the candy police and Finn circle in, Cookie takes one step backwards and plummets into the gorge and it's actually really emotional and you can tell Jake genuinely felt like bad for Cookie and wanted to just help Cookie out and Cookie literally attempts to commit suicide and the whole thing about it is Cookie hits the bottom of the gorge and crumbles but does not die and so we have a cut and basically all of the candy police and the the royal guards are down there and they take a picture of the crime scene and they kind of just gather up 
all of the crumbled pieces of cookie. And then we have a bit of a time jump and we find ourselves in the Candy Kingdom's psychiatric hospital. That's right, there's a Candy Kingdom psychiatric hospital. The notable background character that is also in the psychiatric hospital is uh, this freaking, uh, what's his name? Shit, one second. Old Man Cream Puff from the uh, Tart Toter episode where basically uh, they need to bring the tarts to the convention for Princess Bubblegum and the old Tart Toter went crazy so he couldn't do it anymore. He's the only like notable uh, patient in the psych hospital other than Cookie now, but I just wanted to let that uh, be known because it is a little bit of a callback. And basically... Cookie is there playing chess um, against another patient and his like little chocolate chips that are also sentient are helping him because he's in a straight jacket so they're moving the pieces for him and basically uh, Dr. Princess is behind the like secretary counter and Jake dressed as a mailman enters the room and says is Cookie in here? And he doesn't say Cookie. He says some other name, which I don't know if was actually Cookie's name or not. Uh, but I'm going to keep calling him Cookie because it's easier than whatever his actual name might have been. Uh, and basically, Dr. Princess points over to the table where they're playing chess. And Jake walks over and Cookie's like, oh, Jake, hi. And out of his mailbag, Jake pulls out from the grass kingdom a crown and places it onto Cookie's head and we can see Finn and Princess Bubblegum peeking through the doorway of the psych ward and basically all of the patients start to murmur because they didn't realize that Cookie was royalty or a princess and in a moment Cookie is a true princess and everyone bows down to him and his sort of life's goal has been completed. And it's in that really heartfelt moment that the episode ends. And that's it for the plot of this one, guys. Isn't it strange? This episode had both a hostage situation and a person who attempted to commit suicide. And the suicide attempt failed, so they ended up in the psych ward. How crazy is that? Um, but honestly, the cutest part of this episode was just kind of the whole thing. There were so many heartwarming moments in this episode. Um, the coolest part was pretty much the SWAT guys. The SWAT guys at the very beginning of the episode straight up had helicopters and were holding candy canes, which kind of proves in that one episode where the angry father was shooting the candy cane gun at Hugwolf Finn. Uh, that the candy canes are actually guns in the Adventure Time universe, which is kind of interesting because it's been established that there's candy cane people. So does that mean that the candy cane people are also massive guns that walk around and can talk and walk and eat and all that? Like, what's up with that? I don't think we'll ever know. Um, funniest part was definitely uh, when Jake entered the hostage situation pretending to be the milkman and... He kept walking around, can I interest you in some milk? Can I interest you in some milk? And it was really funny. Um, the weirdest part about this episode, the whole thing, 
otherwise, some other things of note. In the background of this episode, we can actually see the Candy Castle and Goliad and Stormo, the Candy Sphinx from the previous episode, uh, are still on top, still locked in the psychic battle. I love the continuity in this episode. There was lots of good fan service to be had. Um, otherwise, it was interesting seeing, too, that the horse thing was a whole thing. Like, apparently these fake horses are just kind of known in the land of Ooh, and they're called trap horses. That was interesting to have. And I loved the old man cream puff callback as well. Really, really good shit. What a good episode. Man, I tell you, I was feeling like a 7, maybe a 7.5 on this one. It was just really, really interesting, and the plot was so different, and sort of the feel and emotions on display was so different, and I actually really, really liked it. I was here for it. The episodes in the season are really fucking good. I gotta say it, but yeah, there we have it, folks. Another great episode. Season 4, episode 15, Sons of Mars, is a continuation of the story of Magic Man. If you recall from the previous episode that Magic Man was in, he basically acted as an agent of chaos for the show, causing lots of trouble for our heroes when he decided to randomly turn Finn into a massive, disgusting foot. And I went as far as to say that that was one of my least favorite episodes of the entire show uh, because it really made me uncomfortable and I really didn't like it. Uh, And I'm proud to say this Magic Man episode also made me feel really uncomfortable, but I actually liked it. So let's sort of explain why. So at the very beginning of the episode, we're introduced to this Martian character who is basically four people that share the same body. And the head is like this massive crystal with four faces on all the different sides. And the body's just like this purple crystal humanoid-shaped body. And this Martian, as I'm going to refer to it for the rest of the episode, basically plummets down to Earth with this massive purple energy... Uh, and they're holding this device, and they're basically scanning for someone. And that's when they run into the Magic Man, who is the person there that they're trying to collect. Because they explain that basically the Magic Man has been on Earth for 200 years as a punishment after he was wreaking havoc on the utopian society on Mars and they've come to capture him and bring him back for his trial because he was supposed to return when he learned to feel compassion for others and stop being so chaotic and he never returned so now it was time for him to be executed and so they find him uh, running along a train track and they start to chase after him and He's just narrowly slipping away, and they cast this beam to try and reduce his magic powers. 
And just as his magic powers are starting to fade, Finn and Jake happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the magic man quickly knocks them over, turns himself into Jake, and turns Jake into the magic man and lets the Martians take Jake into space to be tried on Mars in his stead. And basically, uh, Finn and Magic Man disguised as Jake are left on Earth after the Martians leave, and Finn wakes up and is like, what the fuck? Magic Man, you motherfucker, what did you do? I need to go get my friend. And the Magic Man's like, oh, not my problem. He's about to be tried for my crimes, and then he'll be killed, and then I will get my magic powers back. The Magic Man always escapes. The Magic Man always wins. And you, this character is designed to just be somebody to fucking hate, and I definitely feel that emotion. This guy fucking sucks. Uh, but basically, Finn sort of threatens the Magic Man, and he says that he needs a way to get to Mars to go there and save Jake. And the magic man says that back in his house, they have some sort of object that'll help them. And so the magic man leads Finn back to his house. And when he arrives, the whole place is just in disarray. It's like the ruins of a house. And there's dirt everywhere. And there's like mold and worms. And it's really disgusting. And the magic man basically, uh, like, kind of takes a moment to sort of have a little backstory introduced because he clutches a photo of a woman who's presumably his old wife or something like that. And he just kind of wishes that things could have gone better. And the moment's broken when Finn reminds him that they need to get their shit together. And so the magic man opens up a secret path to the basement of the destroyed house. And down there, there is a Martian teleporter uh, that was designed to transport the magic man back to Mars when he felt genuine remorse and compassion towards his fellow human. And Finn steps on it and grabs the handles and the teleporter activates because obviously his passion for saving Jake is very strong and he's instantly teleported and we're treated to this really interesting scene where we basically see see Finn get zapped into space and he looks back and sees the planet behind him which this planet I know I've been calling it Earth not confirmed yet but it seems like it's supposed to be Earth at the end of the day uh, and there's like a massive crater in it, like a massive hole, like a chunk of the planet's been destroyed and like broken off. Really, really interesting to note. Uh, but like he zoops through space and he like goes through like a asteroid field, but instead of asteroids, it's food. And eventually he lands on Mars. And on Mars, there's this absolutely breathtaking, massive city that covers the entire surface of the planet and right in the middle of it is where Finn's trying to go to this like dome and Finn arrives at the dome and it's all locked up and he can't get inside but there's like an area where he can see through and he sees basically the scene going down Jake still disguised as the magic man is on trial 
in front of the King of Mars, Abraham Lincoln. Not confirmed to be Abraham Lincoln, but it's hev- it's heavily implied that it's Abraham Lincoln. And the Martian from earlier, and there's a huge audience of tons and tons of people watching. And basically, the King of Mars, Abraham Lincoln, quote-unquote, uh, explains that the magic man, who he thinks is the magic man, but it's actually Jake, has the choice of basically being sent to death or having his consciousness sent through the universe to drift endlessly for all eternity. And Jake, of course, is like, oh, that second one sounds kind of awesome, actually. I'll do that. And uh, before they commence the ceremony, the Martians, which is like the person who's got the bodies of like four people combined into one, explain sort of what the magic man did 200 years ago that caused him to be put up on trial after being sent to earth for 200 years and what he did was a bunch of pranks uh with stuff like making uh the water hair and then the people of mars drank the hair because they were super thirsty and it made them lose their own hair um amongst other things as well they like made their arms all attached to each other so they were one massive link of people really really weird shit magic man's a fucking weird character um and basically after explaining all this stuff they open up the dome because they're about to send jake to his death when finn sort of steps in and jake's like uh basically i have to say i'm i really am going to miss my friend finn he's not gonna want me to be gone and they're like, wait, you have a friend? What the hell, Magic Man? And so they, like, hesitate for a moment. And that's when Finn sort of arrives and, like, throws a chair at the Martian to try and make them drop the staff that's going to put Jake to death. Uh, and when he does, it actually makes the staff go flying and hit Jake anyway. But instead of sending him into space, careening for all eternity, it actually does kill him. And Jake the dog is dead. And after that, basically, Finn holds Jake's lifeless body and cries out because they killed him and they've got the wrong guy. Because as soon as the staff hit him, he was turned back into Jake and the magic man back on Ooh, or back in Ooh, I should say, was turned back into the magic man. And that's when they realized they fucked up. And the king of Mars, Abraham Lincoln, quote unquote, Uh, basically realizes that he fucked up and formulates a plan to go save Jake from, like, the fifth dimension of death or something like that. But we'll just call it the, like, underworld or something like that for the sake of, you know, easily being repeated. And so the King of Mars transports there using, like, his psychic powers, and he meets up with Death who we met in the previous episode where they went to the underworld to save Princess Bubblegum's plant, the princess plant, from being dead by getting its soul back from death. And so the King of Mars also meets up with death and basically is trying to bargain for Jake's life. And he offers up a penny, and the uh, death is basically like, no, King of Mars, that's not going to work this time. And so the King of Mars basically says, fine, then I offer up my immortality. And Death's like, okay, that'll work. 
and it cuts back to Mars and Abraham Lincoln is now turned into the Lincoln Memorial instead of like a living Abraham Lincoln which is pretty funny and uh, Jake is back to life they saved his life and after this Finn and Jake get back on the teleporter and teleport back to the land of Ooh to beat the shit out of the magic man and when they do they basically plummet right into him from Mars where they were teleporting and beat the shit out of him with one massive punch and then the episode ends with a callback to earlier in the episode where they free a tiny manticore that the magic man had trapped in a bottle and there's a little bit of dialogue but that's the end of the episode so now that I've gone over that, let's go into my notes and kind of see if there's anything that I missed. I did not consider this a filler episode because it was a continuation of the Magic Man's story and also it uh, introduced the whole colony of Mars as like a civilization in the Adventure Time universe. Um, the coolest part was definitely the whole teleporter space transportation scene. I thought that was really neat. Uh, and some of the funny parts of the episode were when the Martians did their presentation, it was using an overhead and a dry erase marker, which was really funny because I'm sure kids these days don't even know what an overhead really is. Um, and also when the Martian King offered death a penny for Jake's soul, and apparently it worked to save somebody else's soul a previous time. Uh, and then also the tiny manticore that was trapped in the bottle was basically a character that was in the Magic Man's house when, fr when Finn first went there. And when they freed him at the end of the episode, he basically was like, I don't need you guys, I could have saved myself. And then as he's flying away, he admits that he's actually very scared of showing his emotions. So even though he's free from the bottle, his new prison is shame. And then he's like, my new prison is shame. And Finn's like, what did he say, Jake? And Jake stretched out his ear and he's like, he says my new prison is shame. And then the episode ends. Uh, but other than that, some other things of note were the magic man was in the land of Ooh for 200 years as a punishment. Um, magic man had some sort of wife, which is probably why he's so spiteful and crazy and chaotic. He probably lost her in the past or something, but her name was Margols. At least that's what he was calling her, was Margols in one of the cutaway scenes. Um, but other than that, there's huge lore implications with the whole planet that Ooh is on being like partially destroyed and there's like a massive chunk of rock taken out of it. I'm really interested to see if the show is going to take us anywhere where we're going to learn what happened down the line because this was just a really interesting episode for like the perspective of adding important background information to the show without telling us what it is and why it's that way. There's some really cool stuff that we still have yet to learn about the world in this show and this episode was kind of a big way to highlight that and make us interested to watch more episodes down the line. It was also another one of those very tonally different episodes that we've been having recently. So overall, very, very fascinating and interesting episode. 
no outro. Just go listen to the freaking bonus points where I talk about updates about this series.